so that I mean that. But when we speak about the feminine role of Tyra, what we mean to say is that feminine need to communicate the point of essence that exists. That, that a man could be very happy, in theory, doing what he's supposed to do. Give him a job, and he could do the job. But my wife always reminds me, and she's always like, okay, but let's not lose sight of the essential point that we're trying to communicate to each other, to our children, in our lives, to our communities. The, the whole vart of Rabbi Shimon, of, of looking on the inside, of seeing what Torah is really about, it's not chas v'shalom to say on any level, and it, this needs to be expressed today, because I think there's a movement today, a little bit of like, Pneumius without the chitzonius. There's a little bit of a, yeah, but I, I sometimes, you should know I'm so deeply connected. Okay, it has to translate into action just because you love your wife very much or you love your husband very much. It's a nice thing to say, but we also have to do carpool. Like, it's important. Imagine like a, a wife says to her husband, like, I asked you to do so many things today, you didn't do any of them. And he looks at her and he goes, don't you know how much I love you? <laughs> like, that's a beautiful sentiment. The pneumius requires the chitzanius, the chitzanius requires the pneumius, as Rav Kohn said, the black fire, the white fire, it's all one zach. But the aside of Lag Ba'imer, this, if you will, the, the pneumius of Kabbalah Satara, it comes before Kabbalah Satara, not because it's like just a, a prelude, it's not just an introduction to a book, but it's the essence of the thing that in 17 days will culminate afterwards in the expression of the revealed Torah, but the essential point already comes beforehand. It's, it, the Torah, Shvuas, is birthed from Lagba Eimer. It's nurtured from Lagba Eimer. There's a point of essence where everything flows from. There's a, there's a redemptive element that's happening in the world today, and it's a good thing that's happening. There's a redemptive element that that we're no longer satisfied with just the chitzonius. And it's, it's this revolution that's happening, if you're paying attention, and I think people are, it's happening on a, on a global level. It started, of course, as it always does with the kids. The kids inspire the adults in so many ways. The kids rebelled in a, in a very holy way, and they said, we're not going to do this anymore. And it required Rebbeim to, to rethink the way that we teach. It required shul rabbis to, to rethink the way that they spoke from the pulpit. There was a time in our lives, in Rukhon, like when we were growing up, it was a normal thing for a rabbi to get up and give a political discourse on what was happening in America in front of the Aaron Kodesh. And because of this revolution of we were no longer satisfied with, with our Rabbanim being that way, we wanted somebody to talk to us about real things and about Hashem. And, and so new Rabbanim came into the world and they taught a generation of educators that are now educating you and Be'ez Hashem, you'll do the same for your children. There's a, a sense now that we need to communicate something deeper. And the, these kids that are saying, I'm not going to daven unless you tell me who I'm davening to, they're right. They're right. They deserve to be listened to. They deserve to be validated and affirmed. And we have, Baruch Hashem, in so many ways, advanced the chinuch. You know, the, you have the old school like sort of like anger that sometimes you hear, like, yes, but kids these days, they don't know as much. I'm like, Congratulations, you've made an excellent point. But Lamaisi, you know, you know what they do know? They, they do know that they won't be satisfied with just knowing something without knowing what it's for. Yiddishkeit is not a utility. It's not a checklist. It's a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And that relationship has to have the panemius. If it doesn't have the panemius, so then what are we doing? Just because you're a good boy or a good girl 
who could do the right things in high school and get into the right seminary and then go to the right place afterwards and get the right degree in whatever therapy that is, yeah. each one to their, everyone has their own therapy that they, I met a girl at the Shabbos that didn't say therapy. I was in the spa for her. I was like, wow, what a creative soul. <laughs> Every other person that I met was an occupational th therapist, a physical therapist, an aqua therapist, which is really a lifeguard. And a horse therapist. It used to be we went horseback riding in West Hempstead. I didn't know that there was a, like a therapy for it. And that poor horse. Imagine that horse going to therapy saying all day long I have to, I have to hold these people's problems. Like it's a... So somebody's able to do the right thing. Somebody's able to say, I did the right thing. And that's considered somehow a success. As if, as if the person who's struggling and who's searching for something deeper is not equally or perhaps more of a success. It's a, it's a distorted way of thinking. And, and Baruch Hashem, a lot has changed. And Baruch Hashem, it'll continue to change. This, this movement of not, not of doing and achieving, but of being and becoming, it's not only in our community, it's not only here in Woodmere and in Eretz Yisrael, in Shalayim, it's in the entire world. If you look at the world today, the world is changing. And people are asking themselves, like, what is the value of this ambition that we have? And it's true that on the one hand we see that people are building bigger things and fancier things and there seems to be this incredible expression of chitzainius in the world. But there's also like a snapback that's occurring because all these people that are building these monstrosities all seem to be very empty and are coming and searching and saying, what's it all for? What are we looking for? What are we moving towards? There's, there's this movement on the part of their children. That I was sitting with someone today, Mamsh today, and he told me, he said, this son that I had, he's the one that took the most unique path. I don't want to give away too many details, but I can't say he didn't go to Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And then when he didn't go to Yeshiva, he, but he, he did go to some sort of program in Eretz Yisrael. And then from that program, he went to one Yeshiva, and that Yeshiva didn't work, and he was only there for a couple months. And then he went to a different Yeshiva. And Lamaise is sitting and learning in Beitar now. And he's been sitting and learning in Beitar for the last three and a half years. And I was talking to his father today, and his father said, yeah, he'll probably be learning there for the rest of his life. And this kid was the failure of the family. And all the other kids that were the good kids that went to the right yeshivas, like they're all looking at their brother now, and their brother has something that they didn't have because he took a completely different path. There was a snapback. He was, he was in that place, and from that place there was a lack. And from that lack there was a revelation of the essence. And from that revelation of the essence there was an explosion of Torah. And that makes sense. That's the way it always is. And so, Ba'ez Hashem, and I'll finish with this, my bracha to everybody is is to continue doing what you're doing, which is working. And it's changing the community, and it's changing our families. And we look around, the revolution has not only already been successful, the, the tidal wave of this revolution has already, already hit its peak and is now coming crashing down. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And we owe you so much, Akar Satov. The fact that at 11, almost 11.20 at night on the Matzei Shabbos, we have a room full of people that are saying, we want more. We're not satisfied. We want to understand our role. We want to understand our place. Your place is to give the essence of all things to the world. And if you're, if you're married to a man who expresses himself in the revealed way, then it's your job to give over the Masorah, not necessarily of the rules of the relationship, but of the essence of the relationship. So... You know, when you marry a woman, you don't, know, you don't know what you're getting. Even though I knew my wife for many years before we got married, 
which I'm not allowed to say publicly, but I somehow do anyway. <laughs> but you, don't, you don't really know what you're getting. You don't know what it's going to look like. I want to share with you something in my house that I think my children will be talking about in 30, 40 years from now. Every Erev Shabbos, I enjoy this. My favorite part, every Erev Shabbos, I have, now can I Nahara, only, only two kids left that are, that are small. I have, a, I have an eight-year-old, though she's very mahbub, that I say almost nine. She's, she's eight and three quarters now. I'm 42 and three quarters now. So we, uh, we stop counting at a certain point. So I have a, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And there's a little niggin that my wife sings with them before, before candle lighting. And it starts off with like a little cheer. It's like a little color word cheer. She says, are we ready? And they go, yes, we are. And she did it with all the kids growing up. And she says, are we ready? And they go, yes, we are. And she goes, for what? And they go, for Neros. <laughs> and, they, and they sit there and they watch my wife light. And it takes quite some time. And, and they're waiting. They're waiting to get their Shabbos treat. They're waiting to go next door to to the rich family where they hang out every Friday night. For those of you that know the riches, I share a wall with, with the riches. And Rav Rafi lives right across the street, so there's a little chevra of all these children that have been growing up together, this like seminary yeshiva bubble type thing. Mrs. Yudin is one block up, so her kids are like, up the stairs. Anyway, and, and I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if in... 30 years from now, I wonder if my children will not be telling the story of, are we ready? That there was a, an avira in the home around Neros, of watching a mother who sat and davened for her children every single week. It could be that at the Shabbos table, I'll say a Devar Torah, and maybe there'll be some level of sophistication to it, but I promise you this. If my children, Bez Hashem, come out, and so far, it seems okay. So far, I have one daughter who's married, and she is from. I have another daughter who's too from. <laughs> and she, Bez Hashem, will have her own journey, though it seems to be that I am the Kaifer modern Orthodox father, but <laughs> perhaps group therapy will happen at a different time. But if my children end up being anything, I promise you this, it won't necessarily be because of the sophistication of the Dvartar that I said at the Shabbos table, but it'll be because there was a mother who made their house a fun place where there was Yer Shemayim and Ruchnius and the panemius of Shabbos. If my children ask me what the halacha of Shabbos is, perhaps I can tell them. But if my children want to know what the majesty of Shabbos is, that I think is something they'll certainly have learned from their mother. And my bracha to you is that you do that for your children, to give over the panemius of Yiddishkeit in such a way that we can communicate it to the next generation. So I think we have a couple of questions. Who's, you're moderating? What a wonderful thing. Okay, so there's a, I think just a couple of questions that we'll try to answer. Topics, I'm glad that we're going to say the same thing. It's not, you know. Okay. So we'll start with the first one. Um, this question says Can you still do complete teshuva if you have never and hopefully will never be put in the same or similar situation of a particular year? I guess. How do you overcome? 
that you still feel that because you will never be in that situation again, you feel like there's something still lacking in your bolt to shoot up. And what are the actual practical steps in overcoming not just the regret, but the shame in a particular era, and finally letting go, particularly when you will likely never feel that sense of doing complete shoot up. <laughs> I can read that again. <laughs> we got it, we got it, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I understand. <laughs> I'm sure if Cohen will uh, will say something more profound, so I'll just say something very quickly. I think there's a there's an amuna that we have to have that the Rambam tells us that that uh, that complete tshuva occurs when the situation happens again. So that means that it will happen again. But we don't always know what happens again means. So sometimes we think like. Okay, well, I'm not going to be 16 years old in, in, in Hafter again. So what does that mean? I'm, when am I going to have the opportunity to do tshuva for that thing? So I don't, know, I don't know when we say that you're going to be in that place, in that time, and it's going to happen again. I don't, I don't know if it means perhaps what we thought it meant growing up, which is going to be exactly the same. But it does seem to me that we repeat that which we don't repair, and that life gives us many opportunities to repair, and if you pay attention to the panemius of what's happening, it could be that you are being presented with that situation again, albeit with different external trappings. So, first of all, I would say that when the Rambam says we have the opportunity to do complete tshuva, that we'll have the opportunity to do complete tshuva, and it's our responsibility to pay attention that this new thing that came up is really the old thing. It's, an, it's a new thing, it's an old thing. It's, it, it, back then it was in this relationship, now it's in this relationship. Back then it was in, 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 in Lawrence or in Woodmere, and now it's in Beit Shemesh or Yerushalayim. But it's, it's also Oisai Makam Oisai Zman. It's just wearing different clothing. In terms of the shame, I, I just want to say this. I think it's, it's been said many times before, and I can, I can just say it very quickly. Shame, shame, on the one hand, is getting a bad rap today, and that's not a good thing. And on the other hand, shame is also exceptionally destructive today, perhaps now more than ever. So I had the opportunity to have Kohn set up that uh, now somebody who I, I hope to become a chaver with, this, uh, this fellow Menachem Poznanski, who you sent my way. So, so he, he spoke recently on the idea of shame being something that helps a person move forward. That when we are uncomfortable with something that's happening inside of us, that's a good thing that tells us that we might be betraying our highest values, that this might not be the greatest expression of self, and that that uncomfortable feeling is okay. Today there's this feeling, I can't, I can't deal with anything uncomfortable. It's not true. We are exceptionally resilient, we're exceptionally big, we can deal with uncomfortable feelings, and so if you're doing something and you feel like, like, wow, this is, this is not great, so then good. That's a good thing. It's an inner communication. But, as Rebbitz and Brene Brown has taught us, the, uh, the, what most of us are doing is associating our actions with our inner self. And we're saying, I am that bad thing that I did. And so there's a toxic shame that exists in the world today, which is, I am unworthy of love and connection because of this Avera that I did. And that is, of course, destroying people. 
It's destroying people of all ages. It's destroying the elderly. It's destroying middle-aged people. It's certainly destroying kids. This, this notion has forced Rebbeim and teachers to rethink the way we speak about halacha, that of course we should speak about halacha in a way where we're definitive, but at the same time to speak about halacha in a way that creates space for imperfection and an inner sense of compassion for those that have not done exactly what they should. Baruch Hashem, again, another revolution that's happening today is that Rebbeim and teachers are presenting themselves as more human to their Talmidim, to their Talmidot, and so whereas perhaps when you and I grew up, the, uh, the feeling was our Rebbeim never did any Averas, which is of course, it wasn't true back then, but that was the communication that occurred. And so any kid that did an Avera felt like, okay, I'm not perfect like my Rebbe. And there was a, there's a toxic sense of shame that's exceptionally destructive. I remember very well a, a Talmud, who's now Bar Hashem, a, a person in Kirov, I remember when he said to me, he was crying, he said, I'll never be able to go into Chinachar Kirov, which was his dream. It was embarrassing enough for him to be able to say that his dream was to go into Chinachar Kirov. That's not a simple thing for an 18-year-old boy to say, but he got it out, but he was crying that he'll never be able to do it because he ate Burger King. He once ate Burger King. So he said, I'll never be able to go into Chinuch because he ate Burger King. And my Rebbeim never did an Aveira, let alone eat Burger King. And I wanted to share with him, I know your Rebbeim, and I remember when one of your Rebbeim went to McDonald's. <laughs> which, I think, from what I understand, tastes more delicious than Burger King. I've never had either. <laughs> but there was a sense, there was a sense, that my father used to tell me White Castle was better than all of them. But the... <laughs> wouldn't know. <laughs> There's a sense today that, that I'm a terrible person because I did an Aveira. And that, of course... Is, is not true. It's, it's for sure Mavur in the Rambam. There's many, many rayas to this. And it's spoken out clearly in the Rabbeinu Yonah and Shari Tshuva that Tshuva is a process, that incomplete Tshuva is also a very partial, meaningful Tshuva. And that until a person has had the opportunity to complete Tshuva, their baderech, and that, that derech towards Tshuva is a very meaningful thing. So to whoever the questioner was, I just want to share with you that number one, in time, you'll have your opportunity to complete tshuva. And number two, until you have your opportunity to complete tshuva, you're on the path towards tshuva, which is not nothing. And number three, stop it. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. You're already beautiful. You're already wonderful. The imperfection is already giving birth to exceptional light. The fact that you asked the question is a simon of how much tshuva has already happened. Please treat yourself kindly and gently and with compassion as you go through this process. We might have a little bit why everything Rubberg said at Emish Bamito. Go backwards because how you ended, I wanna I wanna continue with that that you sort of shame because I think that's something that all of us connect to on some level. And it's easier to understand the answer to that to that question as a parent. But as children you'll understand as well, and that is when you, when you're a parent you have unconditional love for each child. And children mess up. Children make mistakes. Parents make mistakes. But there's such deep ava, such deep love, that a child makes a mistake, they're the quickest people in this world that you forgive and forget. With the moments, like it never even happened. Because there's such deep love. Ava And that's a father to a child, a mother to a child, a child to a parent the same way. You all know, your parents have also made mistakes. I've made many mistakes in my life to my children. And I know there's such ava that's so deep that it's so quickly forgiven, forgotten. 
And therefore, we have to believe in how the Eivishter loves us. The Eivishter is a Venus Shabbat He's our Tat and Hemel. He's not just a Melech and a Dayan. He's our Father. He loves each and every one of us so, so, so deeply. And yes, we mess up. And yes, it's important. We're by Shadim, and it's important to use shame in a proper way to grow. But that's it. And then drop it. When it's unhealthy, it means we're not believing that. Because we truly believed Hashem loved us so much. So He's forgiven and forgotten. He's moved on. Hashem loves you. Hashem loves you more than we could ever understand what love is. It's over. Finished. That's number one. Although that's the most important thing in the world. To, to, if, we all, if we just came together for that tonight, it's, I think, well worth the whole evening. To just remember that, because we forget that at times. We all do. As far as the Rambam, just to... I'm explaining like two other ways that maybe Mufarshim explained the Rambam. The first of all, the Drush Zaran explains like this within the Rambam, and he explains that the Rambam, when he talks about Tshuva Gemura, is not necessarily talking about reaching a level of Tshuva. He talks about levels of Tshuva, and you don't need Tshuva Gemura to have complete forgiveness from what was done wrong. When he talks about Tshuva Gemura, the Drush Zaran, it's an understanding. We have two elements of tshuva. There's tshuva to get rid of the veira as if it's never happened before. And that one can do without that level of tshuva gemura being in the exact same circumstance. You don't need to be You don't need to be in that. You moved on. You felt bad. You regret it. You've, you haven't done it. Tshuva in every level as if it never happened. Wiped away. Tshuva gemura is a level of also the tshuva that's a mitzvah of gaining also positive credits. Most often we don't have shame from not having a positive credit. We have a lot of mitzvahs we could do. So you didn't do that extra level of mitzvah necessarily, perhaps. It doesn't mean you can't completely wipe away the Avera without that. Very important to know. Bahalacha. Completely. And there's also another understanding in the Rambam. Even though the Rambam says it's specific, and you have to be, and I believe what Rabbi Berg said is Kodesh Kedashim, that we don't always understand the situations we're in, and that's for sure true. But even if not, one can reach a level where you've reached a level what you, where you've moved on from what you've done, that if you would have been put in that situation, you wouldn't do it again. You've modeled it. You've lived it. And the, we might not know that and be able to prove it. The Rabboni Shalom does. And therefore, that's also Tshuva Gemurah, like the Rambam said. But Farshim explained this in the Rambam. That's also a level of Tshuva Gemurah. I've left it, and I'm on that level already. But I'll say one more thing. And that is, stop playing God. Stop. We don't play the Rabboni Shalom. Like I started, Rabboni Shalom loves us. We have no idea. You know, we have Baruch Hashem, and we have great tzaddikim that we follow, and we learn from, and how to do tshuva, and how... You know, but ultimately, stop playing God. And the Rabboni Shalom, yes... The only one that judges and understands is their bonusham. And trust me, you move on and you're the best person you could be, you're going to be in all the palaces in Shemayim. And their bonusham is having such nachas ruach. And we don't have to play God of every intricate detail and, and did I do check and we get so sometimes caught up in, in those details. Who are we to know? Kosh will judge everybody as they are in their way, in their mind. Just be the best we could be. Be the best we could be in every way. And we're good to go. I feel that I've done all the shadows there is to do for dating. I've been dominating, but I feel that my tools are not being anchored. 
and often have less kavanah because they feel that if they were really powerful, then they would be working. I'm sure many other people are feeling this way. How do we push through and keep davening and working on our tefillos during the challenge? And what else is there to do? You go first. The hard questions I give to him first. <laughs> you know, you know. First of all, first of all, I feel for you. I feel for. I feel for all of you. We're 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 sitting here. We're married. The tkufa of dating is, is a hard tkufa. Ms. I, I, my heart goes out to that time in one's life. The time of, of confusion and the time of, of yearning and the time of when you feel you could be doing everything you're supposed to be doing. And usually most of life, we, we want to always be in control. And most things in our life, we are. So yeah, we might not live up to who we want to be always, but ultimately I'm in control of that. When it comes to Shiduchim, we're completely not in control. I can do all this stuff. I'm davening day and night. I've met with Every shachin I'm supposed to meet with, I've done, my parents are doing their ishtad, everyone's doing ishtadless, we're doing everything, and I'm sitting here, and I'm still single. And I've done everything I'm supposed to be doing. And that's hard. That's hard. That's not easy. So first of all, I just, my heart goes out, because it's hard. It is hard. Stop there, it's hard. That being said, we got to be mechazek haramuna. Mechazik Armuna, that Hashem is by our side. Hashem knows what's best for us. And Hashem knows the proper person. Hashem knows the proper time. Maybe he's not ready yet. You think we're, you're ready. Maybe he's not ready yet. Maybe, he's wor- Maybe that person that's perfect for you is still working and perfecting himself and he's stuck in something and he's not ready yet. And embrace this time right now. And that means maybe, and maybe you're not ready. You think you're ready, but maybe you're not ready. Maybe there's more that you have to perfect within yourself as an individual before you can complement yourself with somebody else by your side. And embrace that time. It's important to embrace that time. There's different kufas in our life. Every time is very beautiful and wonderful. And of course, we want that menuchas nefesh to know because it's so scary and we know of older singles and all that. And I feel for that. It's real. But at the same time, if I'm not yet, that means there's more for me to work on as an individual and embrace that and be productive in that and live that and love that and there's a lot one could do as an individual, as a single person that you can't do when you're married. But you can't do it. I just recently saw it was Rav Alishtin's Yurtzeitz. Rav Alishtin, I saw a one-minute clip of him. He's talking on, on dating, and he's talking about, you know, you know, for example, when it comes to people who are sick in hospitals, and sometimes they need people to sleep overnight with them, little children, whatever. You can't do that when you're married. Embrace this time in your life. Every time in your life should be productive and meaningful. I didn't really answer the question yet, you know, but as far as tefillah goes, the world runs on tefillah. We see this from the Sheshish Mebereshis. Rashi, at the beginning of Abereshis, tells us this when it comes to the vegetation of the world, Ayin Shum. The world runs on tefillah, and Akash Baruch is waiting for our tefillahs. And it could be we're davening very seriously with a lot of kavana. And maybe it's just not enough yet, and don't stop. And just because it hasn't been answered, don't stop davening. Don't stop davening. Believe in the Koyach tefillah. Don't stop. Who knows when it's going to be that right time? You know, Moshe Rabbeinu also wanted something. He wanted to enter into Israel. And he davened, and he davened, and he davened, and he davened. How many? He davened very famously. How many tefillahs? Everyone clever knows? 515 tefillahs, right? Veschanon. Gematria Veschanon. Gematria Tefillah. Gematria Shira. He davened, davened. Hashem said, Al Tosif. Don't continue. You know why he said Al Tosif? He wasn't meant. That wasn't meant for him. 
Bez Hashem, Bez Hashem. I'm a Kayan, I can give brachas, it's my parsha Amor, you know. Every one of you, every one of you is going to be Zaycha to a beautiful Shidduch. Every one of you, the most incredible Shidduch. And you'll understand then why you have to wait a little bit for this person because it's well worth it. But Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't supposed to go in. But Tefillah works so strongly, Hashem has to sell him al toys of Don't continue. Because if he would have continued, that would have been the next field he would have gotten in. And if he would have gotten in, the Shalom explains, he would have been in Eretz Yisrael, he would have built a base on Migdash that couldn't be destroyed, and we would have been destroyed. It was all min HaShemayim, it was all Hashem says, stop davening. But he doesn't tell us to stop davening. Just imagine, just don't stop davening. Don't stop davening. And it's going to come a time. It's going to come a time. Your Tefillah is, you just don't stop davening. Don't stop with Amuna. Don't stop being productive at this point in your life. And you'll see the Simcha. Zar Bedima Berinik Saru Bez Hashem Isparach. Bez Hashem Bechamamash. Baruch Hashem, we live in a community that, that prioritizes family. And in the world today, family is becoming less and less important, and we don't believe in that. We believe that family is the most important thing. So from the time that you're a little girl, you grow up wanting to be a kalu, wanting to have a chasna, wanting to spend your life with somebody. My daughter, my daughter got married a couple months ago, and... and they took, they took us to a place to take pictures. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, you could take beautiful pictures. There's, like, so many beautiful places to go. So they took us to some, like, small moshav outside of Beit Shemesh, and there was a little girl there, a five-year-old little Israeli girl, not, not from an Orthodox family, and she saw my daughter wearing, you know, what a kala wears, and, and she, like, said to her mother, like, do you think I could, like, meet the kala? Like, she was a celebrity. <laughs> And so the mother said something to me, and I said, my daughter, and my daughter was like, of course, and she sat with this tiny little girl, and like, she gave her like a hug and a bracha, and it was like this beautiful, like, mixture of communities, but one family coming together, but I saw the gaguim in this little girl's eyes that like, one day I'm going to be a kala. You know, it's like in Ramat Beit Shemesh, on Purim, girls have, um, they can dress up, for as anything they want to, so they all dress up as kalas. And it's like, every little girl is a kala. And so, of course, when it comes time, and especially because some people have made their living off of creating a tremendous amount of fear in the system, which is, of course, a terrible, terrible thing that's happened, where we mamish poured fear into the water. So there's a tremendous amount of pain as we, as we wait for for the opportunity to build this family that we value so much. Without getting into anything else, I just want to say this. If, if, you, if you have a choice between leaving that pain or listening to that pain, I would strongly encourage you to listen to that pain because there is an exceptional amount of beauty that exists in that pain. And if you can be okay, which is a hard thing to do, to pay attention to the pain and what it's saying, the messages that are in that pain are stunning. The messages are, I have gaguim to raise a family, I have gaguim to share myself with another, to give all of myself to another, to express myself in that way, to create that level of, of belonging, not just connection, but belonging, and there's so much beauty in that desire, and 
If you run away from that pain and you live in that space of fear, that's a deeply unattractive place to be. Attraction happens within ourselves. People who live in a space of fear are very unattractive. And sometimes we show up to a date so afraid, so much pain that, that we haven't listened to and paid attention to, it's impossible to create space for somebody else. And, and the opposite is true when someone pays attention to that pain and they lean into the discomfort of that pain and they realize about themselves how lit up they are, that beautiful desire to share their life with another, then, then it creates a hope that's born from pain, which is a very beautiful type of hope. And it means that the next date that you go on, you're showing up present, you're showing up available because you've really worked through those feelings. And tefillah can be a wonderful way to express that pain. Coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a sense even of anger, of frustration, and saying, this is really hard, and I'm really lonely, and I'm watching my friends move on, and they're moving on sometimes in such a way that feels like I'm left behind by myself. And coming to the Rabbani Shalom and saying those really difficult things, and allowing yourself to feel them physically, and then listening to the beauty in that pain creates an opportunity to create real connections so that when you do meet the person that Be'ez Hashem you'll spend the rest of your life with, which will, God willing, be a healthy and enduring marriage, you can, you can, you can come to that relationship aware of what's going on inside of yourself. And isn't that something that you would want to bring into a relationship? I want you to know everybody's waiting to get married until they get married. And then the next phone call that, that Rav Kohn and I get is, whoa, this is really hard. And tell those girls that are single, like, hey, they don't run so fast to this. You know, it's not so simple living with these boys. They're a very different species than you. I had a boy call me up once, and he said to me, uh, and he's a sweetheart. He's like mamish, like a, a real tzaddik of a boy. And he's like, Rebbe, living with girls are really hard. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, no, 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 Rebbe, like, she pays attention to everything. It's like, I've been living in dorms for years. Nobody ever made a comment about anything that I did. I'm like, oh yeah, this, this whole section of the species is very aware of what's happening. And I want you to know that most men go, are going through life and they have no idea what's going on around them. And, it, it's, and sometimes you see like these, these wives are saying to their husband, did you see what just happened? He's like, what just happened? Yeah. It's like coming out of a dreamlike state, you know? And, and, and the women don't understand. I, I asked them to pick up his socks. What is, like, why can't he do that? Why is he constitutionally incapable of putting socks in a hamper? And the same husband's like, I'm not sure why she's upset at me. I'm like, did she tell you that she wants the socks in the hamper? She, I think she mentioned something like that. Like, he's, he's not aware of what's even going on. So we're getting that second phone call of, like, the girls are all running, like, Rebbe, it's so hard. But then they, we get the next phone call, which is, it's also so hard. <laughs> it's all hard. But if you'll... If you'll be present within yourself, which I do think is a real avayda it opens up many pathways. And when Rebbe is saying, don't stop davening, I don't think that he means only to the, like in Shamayim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is waiting for that next tefillah. It's a tefillah is something that shapes who we are. And so, yes, of course your pain is valid, of course it's understandable, but it's also exceptionally beautiful, and I, I hope that, that you continue to grow from that pain. As someone who went to seminary and came back feeling inspired and on a Yiddish kite high, I found that I, I began real life in the working field. It is extremely easy to fall into the traps and the knowledge kite 
of the, and the gashmis of this crazy world. Sometimes I would even say that the Yitzhahara makes me feel comfortable and not want me to get out of it. Any advice on how to work through this? I'm just switch off. I'm following your lead. I'm good either yeah, way. I'm following your lead. There's a Misa with Ravyakov Kamenetsky and his wife. That, uh, you're, you're Ben Ertis role. You, you make decisions. I think he's just saying that because he knows I'm jet lagged. There's a Misa with Ravyakov Kamenetsky and his wife that when they went to leave a chasna, so, so Ravyakov said to his wife, When would the Rebbitson like to leave? So she said, Whenever the Rosh wants to leave. So Ravyakov said, I want to leave whenever the Rebbitson wants to leave. <laughs> And they went back and forth like this many times until finally the Rebbitzin was like, how about in 20 minutes? And he was like, okay. Like, it was like, I feel like you and I, like, I'll be Rivyakov's wife, you could be Rivyakov. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went to seminary and I was inspired, <laughs> first of all, I, I just want to say something. I've said it a number of times publicly, but I'm going to continue to say it. It's not a nice thing that I'm going to say, but I think it's true, and I'm going to say it until Ba'ez Hashem something changes. And I think that Rebbe and I know, Moses, I don't know if he agrees, but I, I think he agrees, because I see him living it. We have not done enough for you girls as a community. I don't think we've even done close to enough. The boy comes back from yeshiva, and he comes back to America, and there is a tremendous amount of infrastructure for his continued growth. He can continue on to yeshiva and and fabrengans and tishes and, and basketball and rebeim and mashpiim and mashkichim. And there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. And I don't think we've done enough. And I'm sorry. And I know that it's wrong. And it's not fair. And yes, it's true that people have different roles. But at we haven't done enough. And if you're feeling like I was on a high in seminary, it's because in seminary, you are getting the investment that, frankly, you deserve and that you need. And that when you come back to America and you don't have that infrastructure and you're feeling this way, it makes sense. If a person wants to, to eat healthy, they should, they should go out to the store and they should put lettuce or kale or whatever. I don't try to eat this food, but it, there's a... <laughs> it seems to me that green... I, I like to eat brown meat, but it seems that green... We'll do better things for you. That's our wives again telling us that. Yeah, my wife's a very like a very healthy like swimmer, so I'm I'm the yin yang in this marriage. So <laughs> trying to balance out in my I don't eat the food that my food eats. So that's my policy. So the uh, I, I think if you're I think if you're frustrated and you're and you're not and you're not feeling inspired, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I, I don't know I don't know if it should be exactly like the boys or what type of infrastructure it should be. But it's certainly true that, that girls are coming en masse to shiurim like this, and there's, there's a reason. It's because there's a tzamalacha nafshi that's occurring, and people are thirsting for something more, and we haven't provided it. Having said that, I feel badly that this is the situation that we're in, but the only thing I can share with you is that eventually this happens to everybody. We don't get to stay in the bubble of yeshivas and seminaries our entire life. And there is a gravitational pull that life has, and to the degree that we make investments in ourselves those investments will pay off. And so, Baruch Hashem, there are, though it's not formalized, there are a lot of opportunities for growth. And there are a ton of shiurim online, and you, you're going to have to do this for yourselves until somebody does it for you, until somebody comes and does it right. But until such time, it's your responsibility to make chaburas amongst yourself, to, to, to get connected with people, with families of girls that have gone through the seminary system and are a little bit older, and to make those types of, of 
chavrusas, quote-unquote, and to invest in yourself. And I want you to know that I, I've, I've said to the boys very publicly that I, I think that a man's Torah is very important, and it's important for the boys to know that their wife's Torah is also very important. And it's a balance, and it's a balancing act, and it's not simple. And Baruch Hashem, there's a chabura of women in, in Beit Shemesh, and their husbands stay home once a week. And these, these women have shiurim at night. And it's a beautiful thing that these husbands are saying, this night I'll learn on, I'll learn on the phone so that my wife can go out. It, it, it's not fair to raise a girl in the educational system that we have today. I'm sorry, I'm ranting. It's not fair to raise a girl in the educational system that we have today where girls Baruch Hashem are intelligent and we're giving them an intelligent chinuch and then at 19 years old we go, I'm sorry, no more learning for you. And, and somehow the inspiration that was born of all of those years of serious learning is, is pulled out from under the rug and we say, and now go and do it as if it's nothing. My wife is a real learner. She really is. She prepares shiurim. She's like a Rosh Hashiva. She sits there with tons of svarim and she's sitting and preparing a shiurim, and she's thinking deeply about things. And if she's inspired, it's because she's continued to invest in herself. That's a very hard thing to do in real life when we have other responsibilities. And so, yes, the husbands today must make sure that their wives are getting the opportunities that they need. And the same goes for you. The same goes for you. I know we didn't do a good enough job. I'm part of the problem. I can't move back to America and solve this problem, but because my wife is there. And, but there's a of conus here, so... It's your problem, but the uh, but but he can't leave DRS because he's fulfilling a critical mission there. But yes, somebody needs to step up, and in the meantime, until that happens, I'm asking you girls to think creatively right now to say which one of you is going to solve this problem, which one of you is going to step up and say, let's do something together to create at least some more infrastructure than we have to solve this problem. We're trying, first of all, we're trying a little bit. That's a little bit of what we do here. Meaning a little bit of what we do is trying. I mean, I wish I could do more. It's true. I take, I, I know this is not what Berg meant at all on a personal level, but I, I take oh, it to heart. I, no, no, MS. MS, and you know, you know we're trying. It's one of the reasons I'm, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, dedicated to, the, to this shear that we have that started many years ago by Nashan Tsukanios and trying to, trying to always make it happen, even at times it might be sometimes difficult. But that's that's once every two weeks. That's not a, that's not close to enough. Obviously, maybe we have to start weekly. Maybe we have to start more. We we'll have to see. But Lamaisa, you know, first of all, first of all, it's true, and you should realize as much as there is way more infrastructure and in yeshivas and for men, you know, you should have men go through that same exact question and the same exact even even while in those places, because sadly, a lot of those places are missing all that we spoke about at the beginning of the night. And if it's missing all the, that we spoke about at the beginning of the night, even though they're in places where they have Rabbeim and they have Shirim, they have the same exact question. Trust me, we deal with it also. First of all, it is, and, and it has to hit a point in all of our lives at some point that we take it upon ourselves. I, we should do more. But meaning, when it comes, Baruch Hashem, we live in a door where you could find it, and you could go on the internet, and you could buy Svarim that have English, and... And whether it's small chaburs or whether it's yourself, mashalibo chavitz, but find something that really talks to you, that really inspires you, and dedicate yourself to be koveit Torah. Meaning, Umar Shabbos Avlam is it says this, one of the first questions that we're going to be asking. Last time I checked, it doesn't differentiate between men or women. It says, kavati itam Torah. Now, the, the mount might be different. Maybe. But kavati itam Torah, did you set aside permanent time to learning Torah? 
do each and every one of us here have some time every day that we learn for a few minutes and something that we really connect to, something that inspires us? We all can find that in this day and age, whether it's listening to a shear of a, of a rub that we really connect to, whether it's a safer, whether it's Olam Amidos, whether it's Mesil Shasharim, whether it's a Halacha, whatever, it's safe, whatever does it for you, what does it for you. See, it's also very beautiful. You're no longer st- stuck in the structure where it has to be that I have a choice. You have a choice of everything at this point in your life. So find it. But I want to say one other idea, and that is that I think we have a warped sense of what Kedusha is, because the question was, you know, I don't feel Kedusha, I don't feel inspired, I don't feel... And, and through those years, you know, those years of seminary, they do wonders for us, but they also destroy something, and where we feel like Kedusha only means that I'm standing by the Kaisal davening the Elon Yom Kippur. And Kedusha only means that I can sit and learn Torah all day long, without any other responsibilities. And a few weeks ago was Pesach, and the uh, first day of Cholomayr, I went with my family, with my kids. We went to a Mets game to City Field. I'm not a Mets fan, but it was a day game. And that's what you do, Cholmite, you know, you go to Mets games. And we're there, and I was looking around, and it was obviously packed with Yenin, right? Packed with Jews. And I'm looking around, and I'm there, you know, wearing a Bekisha, and I look around, and, and almost everybody there is in Big Day Yantav. Cholmite, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And everybody's there with their, like, you know, potato chips and, and apple juice box drinks. And maybe someone made a cream cheese matzo sandwich, you know. That's Kedusha. That's Kedusha, because next to me, the guy is eating a hot dog on a bun in his baseball cap and Mets jersey. And what I mean by that is that Kedusha, holiness is not just found in a base medrash and in a base knesses and in Eretz Yisrael. And we always need those check-ins, and that's all very Kaddish and important. But we just had, you know, Kaddish Atzmacha B'Mutterlach. Last week, Kaddishim Tiyu. Kaddish Atzmacha B'Mutterlach means that we can elevate everything and find Kedusha within it. And we have to recalibrate ourselves to recognize that my in life is Kaddish in all that I do and everything. We make brachas every time we eat. You know what that is? Now, don't just do it quickly, robotically, mechanically. That means I'm elevating what I'm about to do to get close to God, to feel God in my life. There's a way I'm supposed to put on my shoes in the morning. Does God really care how Arya Cohen puts on his shoes? You think God really cares that I put on my right shoe, my left shoe, I tie my left eye? Does God really care? Really? Nobody helps me so that I can feel godliness when I put on my shoes in the morning. That's awesome. That's Kaddosh. There's a, a very famous story by the Mittler Rebbe. One of my favorite stories, you know. The Mittler Rebbe was the second Chabad Rebbe. And he lived, he lived on top of his, um, of, of, of the Balatanya. Of Shazaman of Liadi. Top of his father. And he was sitting, the Mittler Rebbe, whatever, the, the Balatanya was sitting in his, in his house and he hears his grandchild, he hears his grandchild crying. But it just continues and continues and continues. It doesn't stop. It's a baby crying and his heart's going out like, what's going on upstairs? Eventually he goes upstairs and he knocks. Nobody answers. He opens the door. He sees his son sitting and learning. And he hears his grandchild crying from his room. And he just passes by his son. He goes to the room. He takes his grandchild out of the crib. And he's soothing him and holding him. And and he comes back to the room and he looks at his son. He says, didn't you hear the baby crying? Why didn't you go help him? I was so absorbed, so engrossed in my learning, I didn't, I didn't even hear him. And the Baal Tanya gave him such a mercy, he says, that Torah is nothing. 
That's not the Torah that Hashem wants you to be learning. If you can't hear the cries of the baby. In so many ways you can take the story, but one of those ways is to understand that you know it's Kaddush to take care of your child. It's Kaddush to soothe your child. At that moment, that's more Kaddush than the learning. And we have to understand and recalibrate ourselves at this point in our lives as we're going into a time and we're, we're in college and eventually we're supposed to get married and to have children and to have a house and I'm going to be cooking and cleaning and the it's all, it's all kadosh. And we have to think like that. When we think like that, life is inspiring. Because I realize I'm with their bonus on every single minute of my life. So yes, of course, we should continue getting the inspiration from Shi'urim that we can go to and we have to find them and, and the Torah and all that and, and our davening and, and our Tisrael and the All that's real. And we have, to, we have to go as often as we can to our Tisrael and just to sit next to you. Just to sit next to you did nafshi avir da'ara to feel that for a few moments. Kina soifrim. We're here for whatever reason. We should be here, but we can't. Libya b'mizrach every single moment and you got to go. So upsetting. I just spoke... <laughs> Thursday night, but recently I was somewhere and I saw an old friend and we were talking and he opened up to me that he hasn't been in Eretz in over three years. And I'm, I'm almost, I wanted to like, I, I wanted to scream. We were in a public place, so I didn't want to embarrass him, but I wanted to scream and I, in, in my way I did hit him. I said, are you serious? And he's, he's well off, it's not money, it's not... Like, what do you mean? He's like, it was COVID. I said, COVID ended years ago. <laughs> I've been in Eretz Yisrael about eight times since they didn't let us into the country. And during COVID, I cried every night that they didn't let us in. What are you talking about? Well, I'm going to go soon. because I said, no, no, no. I need to know. I can't see you again until you tell me that you're in Eretz Yisrael. You need to tell me of a ticket. What do you, do you want? I said, do you understand? And he's a, he's a Ben Torah, he's a Bal he's a wonderful person. I, do you understand that your life will be so different if you've been visiting Eretz Yisrael? Do you understand how that lifts you up? Do you understand you need that love of Kedusha also? If we live here for whatever reason, we all have a reason. I hope you have a reason. If you don't, get out of here. But if you have a reason, you have a reason. That hope is good. Maybe that's where we're going to have to answer those reasons because that's our homeland. But if you have a good reason, you have a good reason. But not to visit in this day and age. And not to get that, you don't understand. You're not the same person if you don't get that chizik. So there are those levels of Kedusha we need. We need our Yisrael Kedusha. We need Shabbos Kedusha. We need davening. We need learning. But realize everything in between could also be Kaddosh. And it's a different life. That's inspiring. That lifts us up. Yeah.